0: Alright, turn to me to Luke chapter 1. Sometimes you never know what you're going to end up with during the holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas. Some days everybody seems to come this way and we end up with extra people here. And then other weeks people are traveling and gone and sickness hits and it seems like everybody's gone somewhere else. So we may be, uh, what, what Paul say a few minutes ago, we may be a little light in number so far this morning, but we're strong in spirit. Luke chapter 1, and of course we know the Christmas story is found in Luke 1 and Luke 2, but tucked away here in this story, in the in these two chapters, in Luke chapter 1, is I think what we'll find a lesson on prayer. And I remember hearing the... The main points I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this morning from Adrian Rogers. I remember hearing him preach um, on unanswered prayer one time. And I thought, that it was, I thought that what he had to say was pretty good. Um, so I'm going to steal his, his main points this morning and bring to you. And then uh, we've got some other stuff that we're adding to this today on unanswered prayer. And before we actually get to talking about unanswered prayer, we want to make sure that when we pray... Well, even before that, that we actually pray. Sometimes we have requests and needs in our lives that aren't met just because we simply don't pray. Um, It's easy to get up in the morning, we get busy, we go through uh, the day, and sometimes we can forget that, you know, we haven't even talked to God about things. What does the book of James tell us? James said, You have not because you ask not. And so sometimes it can be as simple as we haven't even offered prayer. Why hasn't God answered my prayer? Well, you haven't talked to him about it. Uh, uh, Sometimes we we forget to do that. So I saw this poem. It talks about it. I think it's it's pretty good. Listen to this. He says, uh, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Troubles just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me, but he said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all the keys in the lock. My God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I hadn't taken time to pray. And so sometimes we haven't even offered a prayer, and that can be a problem. But now let's think about the problem of unanswered prayer when we do pray and it seems that nothing happens. Uh, why does that take place? So let's look here in Luke chapter 1, and let's go down to verse number 5. And it says, And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, and of the course of Abijah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that, uh, these were good folks. Uh, they Just like we talked about last Sunday morning about Mary, uh, were they sinless? No. But they were righteous people, they were holy people, uh, they were trying to follow the Lord. Uh, They were godly, and they were trying to put the the word of God into practice in their lives. And they were trying to walk in all of God's commandments. They weren't trying to pick and choose uh, what they followed, they were trying to wholeheartedly follow the Lord with their lives. And so they obeyed the Lord's commandments, and that indicates a, a love for the Lord, doesn't it? What did Jesus say? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, So that's how we show the Lord our love, is by obeying what he tells us to do. Well, that was Zacharias and Elizabeth. And that word blameless, uh, it's sort of the the equivalent in Genesis chapter 6 when Scripture introduces us to the man named Noah. It talks about Noah, and it says that uh, Noah was a just man, that he was uh, perfect. Again, does that mean sinless? No, it's, it's talking about his integrity, his character. Uh, He he walked with God. You think of another man lived back uh, in those early times in the book of Job. What does the Bible tell us about Job? It says that Job, uh, there was none like him in the earth. He says he was perfect and upright. Again, not sinless, talking about his character, his integrity, the fact that he eschewed evil, Uh, he was a godly man. I like what H.A. Ironside said about it. He said, uh, talking of uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias, he said their motives were right, their hearts were pure, they were seeking to obey God, to walk with God, and they had, in a sense, his approval on all of their life, except for one thing. That's what we're coming to this morning. Uh, But Zacharias and Elizabeth... They're a challenge to us. Of The time that Zacharias and Elizabeth lived in, it was an ungodly time. They They were in an ungodly culture. But what does the Scripture tell us about them? They were blameless. They had integrity. They walked with God. And it serves as a great example and a reminder to us that even in the midst of a corrupt culture, of a sinful culture, we can choose to follow the Lord. We can choose to obey God. We can choose to walk in His commandments. We can choose to honor Him with our lives. Both Peter and Paul, they both admonished uh, believers to be blameless. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 14, it says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. That's how we're to live our lives. Paul told the church at Philippi uh, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights, in the world. That's us. That's what we're supposed to be. We're to be lights in a crooked and perverse world. Sounds like the culture we live in too, doesn't it? And Paul says be blameless. Uh, Live a holy life. It doesn't matter if other people around you are sinning. If they're involved in sin, don't don't compromise your life and get involved in that. You be blameless. You be holy. You be righteous. You live a life for God. But now notice verse uh, number 7. And they had no child. So they've got God's approval on their life. Things are are going well except for this one thing. They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And that was sort of a reproach in those days, wasn't it? In that culture, to not have children, it was a reproach. But now they were both well stricken in years. So no doubt they wanted to have children, And it came to pass that while he, speaking of Zacharias, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. This was his uh, responsibility, this was his duty, and this was a very special thing for these priests to do. There were so many priests in the, in the land that it would be a once in a lifetime opportunity. You could only perform this job in the temple once before all the other priests had a chance to do it. So basically, because there were so many priests, you would get to do this maybe once, or maybe your name would never be drawn to do this. Zacharias' name is drawn. Just random? Is this just coincidence? Just happenstance? No, I, I like to use this, uh, the theme of the book of Esther, the providence of God. So here's what we see. So this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity comes around for Zacharias. He gets to go to the uh, temple to burn this incense, to offer this prayer for the nation of Israel. Uh, it would include a prayer for the redemption of Israel. It would include a prayer for the Messiah to come to rescue the people. And the whole multitude, it says, of people were praying without at the time of incense. So they're on the outside praying. Zacharias is inside the temple praying. Uh, They would wait for Zacharias to, to come out to announce that God had accepted their prayer and all of these things. But now notice what happens. Things don't go quite the way that it would typically go. Suddenly there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. This wasn't typical for the priest to have this encounter with an angel. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Well, I might be too. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now that's that's a... Good phrase to, to underline. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible or, or noting, he says, your prayer is heard. Uh, what prayer was that? Well, I mean that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It, it could be one of two prayers or it could, it could be both of these things. Uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth have no doubt prayed for years and years and years for a child. He says, I, they, your, your prayer has been heard. And then what was Zacharias doing while he was in there? He was praying for the redemption of Israel. He was praying for the coming of the Messiah. And what's going to happen in the very next few verses where we preached last Sunday out of Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. What do we find out is going to happen? The Messiah is coming. So both of the prayers that Zacharias has prayed, him and Elizabeth's prayer for years and years and years about a child is about to be answered, and the prayer of the Messiah is also about to be answered, and Zacharias is directly a part of that prayer. And he says, Thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Uh, We're speaking of John the Baptist. This is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, speaking of John the Baptist. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he call to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, speaking of Elijah, to turn the hearts of their fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. So here's Zacharias. He's in the temple. He's got this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to perform the task that he's uh, he's been given on this day. Uh, Him and his wife, as we're going to see, have been praying for a child for many years. The prayer wasn't answered. Finally, Uh, later, years, decades down the road, the angel shows up and says, your prayer's been heard, you're going to have a child. So when prayer seems unanswered, what about unanswered prayers? Uh, Would you think that Zacharias and Elizabeth might have thought in their life that their prayer hadn't been answered? You ever been to that point in your life where you feel like, I've prayed and my prayer hasn't been answered? So what do we do? Why are... Why are there unanswered prayers? What are some of the reasons? Well, first of all, it may be sometimes the things that we ask for are just out of the will of God, and so God says no, and sometimes our prayers just may be denied. Sometimes God's answer is just no. God can say no, can't he? (laughs) What does the book of 1 John tell us? And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, God knows if what we're praying for is within his will or not. And if what we are asking God to do is going to be something uh, that helps us to bring glory to him. I don't know. If getting the Corvette is something that we're using to to glorify God with, does he give us the Corvette? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I I know uh, I've heard preachers in the past say, you know, God uh, answers our needs and supplies our needs, not our greeds, right? So what kind of heart are we asking from? What are the motives that we're asking with? And when Jesus gave us the model prayer, what did Jesus model for us? Uh, He said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, prayer is not some way to get earth's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. Uh, William Barclay, he he once said, the most popular prayer is thy will be changed. But the greatest prayer on earth is thy will be done. Sometimes we do that. We, We want God to change his will to fit our needs and to fit our desires. Sometimes we have unanswered prayer because... What we're asking for is just selfish rather than being God-centered. And so sometimes God says no, and the prayer is just denied. And selfish desires, uh, if you go over to the book of James, let's go over to James chapter 4 for a second. This, This talks about it, and we mentioned this verse just a few minutes ago. In James chapter 4, verse number 2, selfish desires... We see this rebuke of worldliness here from James. He says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? So what causes a lot of the, the things that go on, the worldliness? It's our selfish desires. And they, they can lead to wrong praying. Our selfish desires can. And when our praying is wrong... Our entire Christian life is wrong. And sometimes we use, you know, prayer as sort of this, this thing to cover up what our real desires are. We tell people, well, you know, I, I prayed about it. I, know, I have had friends that I knew were making a mistake about something. We've talked about it. We've looked at scriptures together. We've reasoned, we've used logic, we've done all of these things, but then they know what they want to do, their mind is made up about it, and so they'll use that. Well, I've already prayed about it. And that can be one of the biggest excuses that we use. And instead of seeking God's will, what we're doing is what William Barclay talked about, and we're trying to change God's will. We're trying to get his will to fit our will. And we tell God what he's supposed to do. And then sometimes we get mad at God if He doesn't obey what we want him to do and He doesn't answer the prayer we want it uh, the way that we want it answered. We get mad at God then. And so prayer, it's not just some sort of uh, you know magic spell. It's not this incantation that we say, you know, to, to get things magically to happen. Uh, It's not like here at Christmas time, kids write out their Christmas list for Santa Claus uh, and they turn it in the parents go buy everything that's on the list. We we don't do that with God, do we? We don't just write a list and hand it to God and say, here's everything that I want and need, check all these things off the box. Now, God may give us some of the things that we have on our list that that we really want. Uh, God's a good God. And the scriptures tell us, we'll get to this later, that He doesn't withhold good things from us. And he, He wants to give us the desires of our heart, the things that are within His will. And when our motives are right and our motives are pure and those things align, then we can get some of those things. But prayer, there, there's some rules that go with prayer. First of all, as we mentioned, prayer, it has to be in accordance with God's will. When we pray, it has to be in accordance with God's will. Uh, flip over. Uh, Chad, have you got a Bible, Andy? Can you read Matthew chapter 26, verse number 39 for us this morning? 39. So Jesus is on his way to Calvary. Jesus knows what's ahead for him, but what is Jesus praying? He says, Lord, if there's any other way, if it's possible, uh, let this pass from me. But, nevertheless, thy will be done. Uh, And so prayer has to be in accordance with God's will. Uh, What was God's will for the life of Jesus? That he went to the cross. So Jesus submitted to the Lord's will there. It wasn't God's will for that to pass from him. Jesus went through exactly what the Father had planned for him. Uh, And then this one. Brother Denny, would you read Matthew chapter 21, verse number 22? Uh, Prayer not only is in accordance with God's will, but it must be in faith. Prayer must be in faith. Yes, sir. Sometimes we pray prayers that don't have much faith behind them. We don't actually expect God to answer our prayers. We think uh, th- these, th- this might be impossible. But you remember when the angel shows up to Mary, what we talked about last Sunday, and she says in verse 34 of Luke chapter 1, uh, how shall this be? In verse 37, what does Gabriel tell her? Uh, with God, all things are possible. You've got to get comfortable with the impossible when it comes to God. Uh, you've got to have some faith in your prayer. And then this one, Brother Paul, would you read Psalm 66, verse number 18? Prayer has to come from a pure heart. Because God says he won't hear us if we don't have that pure heart. Psalm 66, verse 18. Uh, that's, a, that's an important one to know, isn't it? We've got to have a pure heart. If, he, if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord's not going to hear that prayer. And then what does the book of James say, just where we were? I'll read James chapter 5, verse number 16. A prayer needs to be fervent. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you, are there people in your lives that when you really need somebody to pray for you, are there specific people that come to your mind that you go to and ask them to pray because you feel that they are fervent prayer people? I can think of people like that. Like, man, if I need something, I want to go to this person because I know that these people, when they pray, uh, they, they, they follow these, these rules of prayer. We should, we should be those kind of people too. We should be the kind of person that when somebody needs to pray, that they come to us and ask us to pray because they know that that we're going to pray these kind of prayers. And so whenever you pray about anything and the answer doesn't come, you should ask yourself this question. Are my motives pure? Am I asking for what God wants? Am I praying in God's will? Uh, Am I earnestly, sincerely, with all of my heart, seeking God's will on this? And sometimes... The answer may simply just be denied. Uh, One of of my favorite songs from several years ago, uh, and I forget who even sung it, but it was a song uh, entitled, What If God Says No? Sometimes God just says no. Secondly, what about unanswered prayer? Why do we have unanswered prayers? Uh, Well, it may be that you're asking in the will of God, and it's not that the answer has been denied, but it could be that the answer has been strategically delayed. Strategically delayed. You see, with God, he doesn't care as much about time as he does timing. Strategic delay. You may be asking in the will of God, and he strategically delays it. Go back to verse number 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now, Zacharias and Elizabeth, as we know in verse number 18, Zacharias is an old man. How's this going to happen? This can't possibly come to pass, angel. We're too old. And they'd asked, and they'd asked, and they asked, and their prayer wasn't heard. So, you know, they thought we must be praying out of the will of God. And they finally stopped praying, and they finally get to the point where they're too old. And what's the point of praying anymore? And maybe they thought, maybe we're just praying out of the will of God. And so his answer was no. It wasn't his plan for us. But the angel said to him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John and so they're saying you know God give us a son Lord we want a son and they get older and older and older and finally it dawned on them you know humanly speaking they're too old to have a child and we're meant to kind of understand and feel the sadness uh, of this in verse number 7 you know it talks about how they were blameless before God and then it says they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Um, it's, it's sort of a sad word, isn't it? When we think of barren, we think of sort of just a, a dry desert, you know, cracks in the, in the ground, and, and the sadness that just kind of surrounds that, and the culture that they lived in, how others would look down on those who didn't have children. Uh, we feel the sadness of this situation. And they probably wondered if they were childless... One of two things. Why are we childless if we're righteous? Because what does Luke say? He says they were blameless before God. They're living a holy life. You remember we talked about Job a few minutes ago. Why are these bad things happening to me? Am I really living right if God hasn't answered this prayer? Or secondly, if we're truly righteous... Since they were childless, maybe we're not actually righteous. Maybe we're not holy people. And, you know, I, I, a problem is, and it has been for centuries, that we can sort of conflate God's blessings with our, with, if, if, I'm, if I'm living for God, then he's going to answer my prayers. And it doesn't, just, it doesn't work that way. You can be holy, you can be righteous, you can be blameless before God, you can be serving God, you can be praying for God's will, all of those things. And still the answer doesn't come. And I mean, imagine as a younger couple, when they're newly married, there were probably those, you know, well-meaning children. Ask them, hey, when are you going to have children? I know how Zacharias and Elizabeth felt. I really resonate with this story in the Bible. And maybe that's why it stood out to me this year as as we read through Luke chapter one again this year. Uh, not that we are well stricken in years. I don't know, since I've turned 30, my back begins to feel year after year as if I am well stricken in years. I feel more aches and pains, uh, but <laughs> it, it gets better. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, You hear the people, hey, when are you going to have kids? I I don't know. We had the desire to have children. We'd prayed for children, just like Zacharias and Elizabeth, for 12 years. And it felt as if God's answer was no. And as Elizabeth began to age, you know, people tell them, hey, we're praying for you. I had people tell us, Eric has had people tell them, you know, that they were praying for us to have children. And then the older that you get, you know, people, I guess they can't have kids. I wonder what's wrong with them. What's going on? And sometimes you have guilt in your own mind when you don't have children. And no doubt it must have been difficult for Elizabeth. When others around you, when all of your friends are having children, you're excited for them. But at the same time, there's something inside of you, especially with women, that says, I wish I had one of my own. I saw, I saw Erica go through that for 12 years. And she was always as happy as she could be to celebrate with other, with other women as they were having children, as friends would have kids, as family would have kids. But deep down inside, I know that it hurt. But Elizabeth and Zacharias, they endured the test. They remained faithful to God, even though the the biggest desire that they had to have a child, have a son, hadn't been answered, did they quit serving God? No. Where was where was Zacharias found when he was well stricken in years? He was still serving the Lord. He was in the temple. They hadn't quit serving God. They hadn't given up because it seemed as if God hadn't answered their prayers. And so that example should provoke a thought in our mind, will we serve God through disappointments? It could be a child. It could be some relationship. No husband, no wife, no dream job. When those prayers don't seem to be answered, will we continue to be faithful to serve the Lord? Will we continue to love Him? Uh, we mentioned Job last week. Remember when he said, uh, even if he slays me, even if he kills me, I'll still serve him. I'll still praise him because God's good. And when God said to Zacharias, you're going to have a son, notice what he said. Go down to verse number 18. He says, you're going to have a son. And Zacharias said to an angel, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man And my wife is well stricken in years. Uh, When he was young and when he was able to have a child, they'd been asking and asking and asking, and God didn't answer the prayer. Now, maybe in their despair and their old age, they've quit asking. And now is when God shows up and says, you're going to have a child. And this is kind of the point of it. God heard his prayer years ago when it was asked. God heard it the first time it was prayed. God knew what was in their heart the first time, decades before the answer ever came. And God had granted the request to his prayer years ago. It's just the answer was delayed. You ever had one of them people from the post office ever kind of get your mail mixed up and stuff and it gets delayed? Right, Brother Paul? That kind of happens, right? It's like their answer got lost in the mail. But no, it didn't get lost. It was strategically delayed because God's timing is different than our timing. What does the prophet Isaiah tell us? God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so God simply delayed the answer until Zacharias had given up hope, until it appeared humanly impossible for this to take place any other way, that's when God decided it's time to show up and answer the prayer. That's going to happen in your life sometimes. Because God wants us to get to the point where we feel like, okay, there was no other way that this could have happened but God. But God. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son. Now, in Abraham and Sarah's life, they got a little impatient waiting on God to answer the prayer. And so Abraham decided he was going to help God out. And so he takes Hagar and they have Ishmael. And look at what's going on in the Middle East today because of Abraham's impatience to wait on God's timing. Now even in Abraham's sin, God was still faithful to Abraham and God still answered Abraham's prayer The way that he chose, when he chose to answer it. When was it? Well, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Why? Because God had a strategic reason for waiting, so it was humanly impossible for this to happen any other way. In Genesis 17, 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And when Isaac was born, who got the glory for it? God did. Now, if Abraham and Sarah, or if Zacharias and Elizabeth, either of these couples, if they'd had a child when they were younger, uh, it would have been something to be grateful for. People would be grateful for it. But it's not, you know, really a miracle that you get up and shout about. Babies are born every single day. What's special about that? How about when somebody 190 has a child? What about when uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, well stricken in years, when they have a child? Uh, wow. With God, all things are possible. This is, this is supernatural. This is a miracle. This, is, this has a purpose behind it. How about another example? Turn with me over to John chapter 11. Jesus had some friends, some very dear friends that he loved man by the name of Lazarus. Two sisters, Martha and Mary. Jesus had been in their home many times. They loved him, they served him, they trusted him. But now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Lazarus is sick. They say, Jesus, we need you to come. Your friend Lazarus, he's on his deathbed. Jesus hears it and says, okay, we're going to hold put for a couple days. What? Jesus, didn't you hear the message? Don't you care? Where are you at, Jesus? Now, if Jesus had just come and healed Lazarus, people would have been thankful, people would have been grateful that Lazarus was sick, and now he's well. But the answer was strategically delayed. He had already told him, uh, where was it? Verse number four. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And go down to verse number 40. After Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, uh, what does Jesus say? "Uh, Saith I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Now Jesus could have just healed him. We talked about this in our teen class on Wednesday night. Uh, Jesus could have healed Lazarus. He probably could have healed Lazarus long distance. He, He probably wouldn't have even had to have been there. But Jesus chose to wait two days. Lazarus dies. By the time Jesus shows up, they say, man, he stinks by now. But when Jesus waited until it was humanly impossible... Nobody just shows up and raises a man from the dead. Hope was gone at that point. That gave the glory to God, didn't it? People get sick all the time. People get well. We're, We're thankful for that. But when somebody's dead, I mean, they're not coming back to life. We know that it was only God that could do that. Adrian Rogers, he says, one of the cardinal rules about prayer, God always answers prayer in a way that will give him the greatest glory. The way that gives him the greatest glory. And here's another reason God delays the answer sometimes, uh, to dispense his grace to us. The Bible tells us that Jesus came in the fullness of time. I like one of the songs that we sing, it's called At the Right Time. At a time of God's own choosing, he came. And John the Baptist, he was supposed to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so the birth of John was linked with the coming of Jesus. Now, what if the prayer that Elizabeth and Zacharias had been praying for a son, what if it had been answered years and years and years before? The timing would have been wrong. John would have been the forerunner of Jesus. God had been waiting 4,000 years to bring his son to earth. To bring that promised Messiah. To bring that Savior of the world. Now, had God given him a baby before that, that would have been nice. But God had a greater blessing. And God wanted to display his glory. He wanted to dispense his grace. And sometimes in our lives... Many of us, uh, what one preacher said is, we want to pick the blessings before they're ripe. We want God to answer it when we want to answer it. But you know what it's like when you pick an apple before it's ripe. I mean, They ain't very good, are they? We want to pick the blessings before they're ripe. And so if God says no to you today, uh, maybe he has a bigger blessing uh, tomorrow. And sometimes we don't understand it, but that happens. And it happened to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Had they had that child earlier, uh, he wouldn't have had the prominence. You notice what some of those verses we read said in Luke chapter 1. It talks about how he would be great. Many would rejoice at his birth. He would turn. Uh, Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord, uh, their God, and he shall go before him. In the spirit and power of Elias and turn the hearts and the fathers uh, to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, If God had answered this prayer years before, John wouldn't have been the one who stood up and said, Behold the Lamb of God, taketh away the sins of the world. So it was strategically delayed. He wouldn't have had the prominence they would have had for all of history. And then notice the answer may be significantly different. You may ask God for one thing and he gives you something else. You may think that your prayer wasn't answered, but it was answered. Uh, He says in verse number 13, thy prayer is heard. It was an accomplished fact a long time ago, Zacharias. God's heard your prayer. He's answered your prayer. Uh, It's just been strategically delayed. But what you asked for was a son in your old age. And God says, no, what I'm going to do is give you a son in your age. Uh, in your young age, but I'm going to give you a son in your old age. That was a significantly different answer than what he first asked for. And what if their prayer had been answered when they were young? They said, God, we want a baby. Give us a baby. Lord, answer this prayer. And if God had answered it, gave him another baby, he would have just been an ordinary boy. Nothing special, just like we were talking about. But the Bible tells us that because God waited... And because he gave them a different answer than what they asked for, a baby when they were young versus a baby when they were old, the Bible tells us that John the Baptist, it says, this is Jesus, he says, not a greater was born of woman than John the Baptist. God saved the best for last. God knew what they needed when they needed it. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, the young lions do lack (coughs) and suffer hunger (coughs) But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Psalm 84:11 For the Lord God is a sun and shield; the Lord will give grace and glory; no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So why should we complain if God withholds anything if he withholds no good thing? God gives us exactly what we need. If we're praying in the will of God and he chooses to withhold it, then our job is to accept that because we realize that God's not withholding any good thing from us. We have to get comfortable with that. And we conform ourselves to the will of God. And has there ever been a time in your life, I know I've I've heard Chad give this testimony, Where we pray for one thing, we think we know what we want, but God chooses to answer it differently. And years later, we look back and we say, you know what, God, thank you for not answering the prayer the way that I thought I wanted you to answer it. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, uh, she gave the testimony of she, she praised God that she prayed seven different times. Lord, uh, let me marry this man. I guess about seven different men. And God's answer was no. And she says, I'm thankful that God said no to each of those answers because he finally brought me to Billy. Uh, God knew what was needed. And he knows what's needed in your life. And sometimes you get down the road and you realize, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. And thank you for answering it in a significantly different way. Uh, The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 26, For we know not what we should ask as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered sometimes uh, we don't even know what we're needing to pray for but the spirit makes intercession for us and and the Holy Spirit goes to God and says God here's what they need God answers our prayer that way sometimes our prayers are denied sometimes our prayers are delayed sometimes our prayers are different so if you pray and your prayer seems to be unanswered what do we do well number one We've got to check our hearts. Am I regarding the equity in our heart? Am I following those rules of prayer? Am I praying in faith? Am I praying in God's will? Am I praying with pure motives? Am I praying for the glory of God? Secondly, keep praying. Don't give up. Don't quit. Uh, don't stop praying until you have the answer in your hand or until you know in your heart that God has said no. The Apostle Paul... He went to God three times, praying for him to take this thorn in the flesh away from him. Whatever this uh, issue was that Paul had, it was a a great burden to Paul. And so he's pleading with God and he asked God multiple times, Lord, take this out of my life. And God finally answered him and God said no. Why? Why? Because God told him, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Uh, God said to Paul, he says, I'm not going to take the thorn in the flesh away from you, Paul. I'm not going to answer that prayer but I'm going to give you greater grace. That's what I'm going to do, Paul. I like, uh, think it was Warren Wiersbe. He said, Paul didn't say, well, what can't be cured has to be endured. Uh, no, that wasn't Paul's approach to this. Uh, Paul, Paul didn't have a bad attitude about it. Uh, he says, you know, I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to praise the Lord in it. Even though he didn't answer the prayer the way that I wanted him to. I'm going to still serve the Lord. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to continue to proclaim his message. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities. And then as we close, sometimes I'll say, sometimes the answer is direct. Sometimes our prayer is answered before we even finish praying it. God just answers like that. You've heard me tell the story. You've heard Dad tell the story about the time when our family needed that $5,000 years and years ago. I will never forget getting down and when I was a kid in, the, in our living room, on our knees in the, in, the, in the living room, praying, asking God to supply that need. And five minutes later, Dad going to the mailbox, opening up the mailbox and finding a check for some friends uh, thousands of miles away that had no idea about anything going on in our life that said, sent a card and said, we just want to be a blessing to you and included a check for $5,000. Now, God doesn't always choose to answer prayers that way. In this case, it was a direct answer to prayer. And the check was in the mailbox before we ever knelt on our knees and prayed for it. Uh, You see stories in the Bible where God chooses to answer prayers immediately. The the prophet prays, Lord, open their eyes, let them see on the hillside all these that are gathered around. And God immediately answered the prayers, so they could see uh, the host that was on the hillside. So sometimes answer is direct. And it's wonderful. Uh, you hear people pray, uh, uh, talk about how they've prayed for God to, to heal their bodies and immediately receive healing. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes he doesn't. But just know, sometimes our prayers are denied. Sometimes our prayers are delayed strategically for a reason. God has a purpose. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just keep praying until God gives what we ask for or until God actually uh, tells us no, that's not what it is. And if God does say no, follow Paul's example. Say, hey, I'm going to rejoice in Christ anyway. I'm going to keep moving forward for the Lord. I'm going to continue to serve him even though he didn't answer this prayer the way that I wanted to. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we've had to to look at your word this morning, talk about prayer and unanswered prayer and why we have that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be... Uh, people of great faith when we pray. And Lord, that we would expect that you will answer our prayers, that we pray according to your will. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to continue to trust you and and to wait for your answer, to to not be impatient, but to wait on your perfect timing uh, so that we can give you the greatest glory out of the things that happen in our lives. We pray that you'd move now in our morning service, prepare our hearts for worship through the music and the preaching. Uh, Let everything that's done today, Lord, be uh, things that lift up your name and glorify you. Uh, May we be edified because we've been here together. In Jesus' name, amen.